0: Scripture reading this morning comes from Exodus chapter 3, and uh, I'll be starting with the uh, 7th verse, and we'll go through 7 through 10, and then I'll pick up at verse 18. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land a land flowing with milk and honey in the places of the Canaanites the Hittites the Amorites the, the Perizzites the Hivites and the Jebusites and now behold the cry of the people of Israel has come to me i have also seen the oppression with which the egyptians oppressed them come i will send you to pharaoh and you may bring my people the children of israel out of egypt verse 18 After that, he will let you go, and I will give uh, this people—I uh, will give this people, referring to the Israelites—favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, and shall uh, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor, and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold and jewelry and for clothing, you shall put them on your children, your sons and your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Quite a picture that God is painting after 400 years plus of captivity of the Hebrew people in Egypt, the the deliverance of them, and it's His time is 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 perfect timing, and so that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning. Uh, for our children this morning, we have uh, in their catechism book the twenty-first question: What sort of Redeemer is needed to break us uh, to bring us back to God? And the answer: Read it together. One who is truly human and also truly God. Who is that, kids? One who is truly human and truly... Yes. Jesus. Good shot. That's what. That's who we've come to honor today and uh, children are dismissed for their class. And while they're leaving, just a reminder, we have the daily breads out on the outer out there. Uh, if you have, uh, would like to pick one up, uh, also feel free to pick one up if you have a friend or someone that you know would like to have one. And... Uh, we like to spread them around. We are in the third and fourth chapters of the book of Exodus and I kind of would, you know we, I spent most of my time last week in chapter three on dealing with the name of God, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. and he basically uses the term I am that I am. Uh, later on and so we are worshiping the God that has existed, is existing and shall exist forever. And so as we look at chapter three, this is where Moses has come to the burning bush. he's speaking with God and God gives him a call, if you will. Uh, and it's very clear as to what he says. In verse 10 of chapter three he says, "Come, I will send you Moses. To Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And I, I, I love this picture. Uh, you will bring my children, Possessive, ownership, fatherhood, all the things that you can think of that would go with that, are in that. He is their father, their God, and He says, "I will bring my children out of Israel, out of, of my children of Israel, out of Egypt." And so Moses says to God in verse 11. And this is his response. Who am I? And and, and basically, who am I uh, that uh, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Why would Moses be so set at this point? Who am I? And the reason is because of what happened in chapter 2 when he decided, oh, I'm a Hebrew. I've been raised in Pharaoh's court. I know all of the things to know about the Egyptian culture, and I'm a a prince of Egypt. I'm going to go and check on on the people of Israel. He rescues one from a taskmaster. In doing so, he strikes a blow and kills the taskmaster. And uh, the next day, he comes as a mediator, if you will, between two Hebrew men that are arguing and and, and one of them says, what are you going to do? Kill me like you killed the Egyptian uh, yesterday? And he realizes that this isn't going well. That maybe he's out of step here. And immediately Pharaoh finds out, and the next thing you know, he's got a death warrant out for him. And so that's why Moses leaves Egypt at age 40 and goes to Midian uh, to escape Pharaoh and his reach. And uh, so who am I? He's basically saying, I've already gone through this. What's different now? What's what's going on? What's the difference now? And what is different is the end of chapter 2 where it basically says God has heard the cry of the people. God has remembered the covenant that He made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God ha- has seen the people and the, the situation that they are in. And then it just says, and God knew. What did God know? He said, it basically means God knew. Now is the time for deliverance. This is the point in time. You see, what what we talked about briefly last week is, is the case is uh, Moses jumped the gun. He went on his own strength at his own time, doing it his own way. He didn't consult God. He didn't wait for God. He just said, oh, I'm, I'm a self-important person. But he was an important person in the culture at that point. He figured it's it's obvious I'm the one to do this, and so working in his own strength on his own time, it failed. What was different then? God had heard the people. God remembered the people. God saw the condition of the people, and God knew the time is right. And then verse twelve, you know, here in chapter three it says Moses is saying, "Who am I?" That I should go. God says, and this is the key to this whole thing, really. I will. Be with you. You want to know what's different, Moses? <laughs> I will be with you. Now is the right time. I am going to do this, and uh, you know it's it's. He's going to to use Moses to do this. Verse eighteen. Moving ahead quickly here, it says, and they will listen to your voice. So I will do this using you, Moses. And they will listen to your voice. And so uh, Moses comes up with, you know, and well, even God goes on, uh, verse 19. uh, As you and the elders go, He says, "I know that the king of Egypt isn't going to let you go unless He is compelled by a mighty hand." So what's God saying? He's going to use the, the implications here. I'm going to use my mighty hand. They will listen to you. I will be with you. All of these things are positive reinforcements for Moses to do what? Say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. He goes on and says, I'm going to stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor, meaning the Hebrew people, in the sight of the Egyptians. So, Moses, they're going to listen to you. I'm going to move with a mighty hand. And then on top of that, the the, the women are going to ask for reparation. <laughs> basically, They're going to ask for the silver. They're going to ask for gold. They're going to ask for jewelry. They're going to ask for clothing. And they will receive it because the Egyptians are going to be happy to give it to them for them to leave after whatever God does by moving His mighty hand and the wonders that He works. They will be ready. So, basically, the last words of Moses uh, chapter 3 says that they're going to plunder Egypt you cannot plunder an Egypt uh, plunder a, an army or a nation unless you have what? defeated them God says I'm going to take care of this Moses I, this is clear language uh, to the person that's reading it and hearing it I'm going to defeat them with my mighty hand and they're going to want you to leave in fact they're going to pay you to get out of Egypt Yeah, it's a great deal. And uh, so, just keep these things in mind. I'll be with you. God's mighty hand is going to move. They're going to pay you to leave. And we come to Moses and his response to this in chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered, But, and here's his thought, Behold, they will not believe or listen to my voice, for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. Now, he has just told Moses, I'm going to be with you. They will listen to you. And Moses says, no, they won't. I've already tried this. He's banking now on his own personal experience. When he did it in his own strength, they didn't listen then, they're not going to listen now. I've been through this already, Lord. I know how it turns out. You're going to say, God didn't appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. Moses says, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. In other words, he said, here's a sign. A sign, a miraculous event that is to be a witness, a sign, something that will show someone that God is with them. So he said, here's a sign. And picking up a snake, I don't know a lot about picking up snakes. Uh, I try to avoid things like that. But uh, picking it up by its tail, I know it's not probably the wisest way to approach it. Uh, And so what God was trying to show Moses was how supernatural things are. I mean, his staff turns into a snake. He picks it up, and it's a staff again, and he picks it up by the tail. Uh, God's trying to get Moses' attention here very clearly. And so he says, put your hand, and the next thing he says, uh, put your hand and catch it by the tail. And, and, and then he said, so uh, he put out his hand and caught it by the tail. And then he says, the Lord God of the fathers is going, You know, he's, he's appeared to you. You're going to see this. So now let's pick it up at verse 6. Again the Lord said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous, like snow. That's an advanced case of leprosy. Then God said, Put your hand back inside your cloak. Right off the bat you would be reluctant. I'm going to put something that's severely infected and contagious back into my (laughs) my cloak here, but you know, just put it in your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored, like the rest of his flesh. So God's speaking to them. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign,
1: they may believe
0: this sign, the latter sign, the second sign. If they will not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it out on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. God has just pulled the carpet out of Moses' first excuse of who am I and what, how we're going to make this work and, and, and initially, and, and what, kind of like, what are my credentials? You know, I, I don't have any credentials with them. By the way, we already know that the, the, the Pharaoh that was after Moses has died and there's a new Pharaoh. So we're not sure what all the risk factor of him going back is, really is in the first place. And so Moses is, is thinking, okay, so you're, you've given me the credentials to show that you've given me authority to come and to speak with my elders of the Hebrew people first and then with Pharaoh. So his next statement, but... Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and of tongue. Now, Moses isn't being 100% here. Now, it's been 40 years since he spoke in Pharaoh's court. So he, he, he's reluctant to do it. He doesn't even know the new pharaoh, but you know, all the things considered, he says, "I'm not. I'm, I'm slow of speech." You know how many uh, commentators over the past centuries have taken this and said, "Oh, he must have had a bad stutter or something." That's not the problem at all. He doesn't want to go. In fact, we find out in Acts chapter seven, verse twenty-two, that he was a man of words and deeds in Pharaoh's court, and that he was highly educated in Egypt. And the idea of words and deeds. Words means he was one who could speak. Deeds meant he was probably a warrior. So, Moses is basically saying, I haven't done any of this for 40 years. I'm not going to do it now. I'm I'm not ready. I'm not adequate. I don't want to go. Is what seems to be coming out of this. So God says, verse 11, Who made man's mouth? And who deals with the other aspects, the eyes, the ears, uh, you know, uh, you know, blindness and deafness, in other words, who is in charge here? He said in verse 12, I will be with your mouth. I will teach you what to say. Moses response, verse 13. But seems to be his password here he said oh my lord and here it is please send someone else i don't know for sure how to put the emphasis in this that we would catch the full meaning of this but it is so clear after you start putting these things together moses simply does not want to go I've had people say, well, that's an amazing thing. I mean, you see, in the burning bush, he knows it's the I am God of all creation, the God of the Hebrew people, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's made all these promises. He's going to deliver. He's going to fight. He's going to be with you. Why can't Moses see it? I believe because Moses is still acting in his own strength. I don't want to go. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. I read this, it kind of shows my age. The first thing I I see with it is the old song of 1960 that was on the billboard number one chart in 1960. Please, Mr. Custer, I don't want to go. But that was just basically the idea here. He's basically saying, I just simply don't want to go. So it says God's anger, verse 14, God's anger was kindled. Now, that's an interesting word here. Uh, God's anger was was kindled uh, against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? Now I'll get back to that in just a second. The idea of kindled here is God's anger was visible. In other words, Moses can see God's upset with him. God's been very gracious with him up to this point. He hasn't put him down. He hasn't, he hasn't said, oh, I know better than this or I know better than that. He just simply kept going on and adding more to it. And, and finally, at this point, it says God's anger is kindled against Moses, meaning Moses is able to see that God is not happy with him. And it's important that you grab that from that word kindled. Uh, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now, what you don't normally think about is Moses hasn't seen his brother for 40 years. Not only that, this is his older brother. Who's supposed to be in charge? Firstborn. Okay? And yet God is saying, you know, I'm going to send him to you. You shall speak to him. By the way, notice it says, he's already coming. I'm convinced because of the, the nature of the way this is put together, Aaron was already in root at the point that he went to the burning bush. God knew how this was going to come out. It's all there to, for him to see. And, and so he's already got it in place. And, he, and he's, pulling, he's just constantly pulling the rug out from underneath Moses and his excuses. He says, okay, your brother's a good speaker. We'll use him. And verse 15, he says, And you shall speak to your brother Aaron and put the words in his mouth. Not for the younger brother to do that. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. That's an interesting phrase. The idea that he will be as God to you, meaning he will will look at you and see you, Moses, as the authority over him. There's nothing beyond that. He's simply looking at it and saying, Moses, Aaron's going to be willing to submit to you. Verse 17, Take in your hand this staff with which which you shall do the signs. So, Aaron's coming. I want you to meet with him. Take your staff with you. And that implies, by the way, he's going to do the signs for Aaron. And... All of this picture here for us is that God has a plan. He is going to accomplish it. And, you know, He finally puts it together and says, I'm going to be your mouth and Aaron's mouth, and we're going to put it together, and He shall speak for you. And the interesting thing is, is as we get into this, we'll see Moses has no problem speaking in Pharaoh's court. Moses' response, verse 18. Chapter 4 Moses went back to Jethro, his father in law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. I won't go into all the details with that right now. Put that towards next week. But what Moses was doing was proper etiquette. He had put himself as a servant under Jethro, his father in law. And so he was shepherding. His father in law's box, and he was obligated to him. He was he was basically servant to him. Today, uh, and even back in then the, the term bondservant might have been used. You know, the idea that I am willing to surrender to you for your covering over me, and I will serve you. He has a wife through this relationship and two sons. And so we have this, this picture. Moses is saying to Jethro, I need your permission to go. Jethro doesn't hesitate. There's no, but who will watch my sheep? Who will do this? Jethro is 100% in this, and he says, go. Let me go back to my people in Egypt. Go. I looked at this. And I have to say that I've, I'm not going to go into detail about it, but I've seen a number of times in my own life where I have seen God opening a door or closing a door, and I've seen myself either try to open the closed door or refuse to go through the open door. Um, that doesn't stop God's plans. His purposes will be accomplished. He's also aware of when we will falter and when we will stand. So all of this is for our growth. All of these trials and things that we go through, and all that Moses was going through here, was for his growth, for his maturity, not as a commander, not as a leader, but as an individual within the framework of his relationship with God. God is growing our relationship with Him constantly. And He allows us to go through whatever is necessary to cause us to be dependent on Him. We will see as we go through this amazing things as we in the book of Exodus that God does. But the key, the thing that I love the most, I shall be with you. That's God's promise to us. I shall be with you. Always. In fact, we're told in Romans, there's nothing that can separate us from His love. Nothing that can separate us from His love. Even when we are foolish, even when we are argumentative with what God wants to do through us and with us, His patience prevails. He sets the stage. And He brings across our path the things that are necessary to turn us into the right direction. He did this for us, that we might be saved. He was delivering the Hebrew people. All of this was being done so that they, what? Might be delivered. That takes us right to the cross. God did everything that was necessary that we might be delivered from sin and death. He emptied Himself. He became a man, even a servant of men, even to the point of the cross, that He might deliver us from sin and death. So that we can say together, first off, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And next is is the picture that We are His children. We are heirs with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. That's what He has done for us. We have a song that we're going to sing for communion this morning. Uh, Bill Wickham uh, writes this song. It's called Living Hope. And uh, it says, How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountains I could not climb. In desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Referring to the name of Christ. I spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished. The end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. He has Called out as we as, as we call out, it says, you know, we're sitting here in darkness, and we call. It says, His loving kindness tore through the shadows when I turned to heaven in desperation. That means when I called out. I like the next verse as well. I want you to think about these words. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such fond, uh, boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me His own beautiful Savior. I am Yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. And then the chorus is Hallelujah, praise the One who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. So while the worship team comes to sing that song, we have communion. We invite you to come forward and pick up the communion. This side is uh, the, it's got two cups. It's one uh, stacked in, the front, in, in with the other one. And there's the bread and the juice. There's also the packets that are sealed. And because of everything that's gone over the last few years because of COVID and stuff, this is the way we do it. So we're trying to make it as comfortable for you as possible. And uh, so uh, feel free to come up while we're singing and hold it until we've all been served and we'll share it together.
1: How great the Turn to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And through the darkness, no loving kindness, for through the shadow of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my Lord. So wait on mercy. What heart could have. That seal the promise. Your very body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared, The grave has no claim
0: That I have in my mind as I sang through that song was if you confess with your heart, believe, uh, uh, confess with your mouth, and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord and that He's the one resurrected, uh, then you will have eternal life, you will be saved. So, if you confess and believe under those conditions, it is finished, it is done. Every chain will be broken that would hold you back, death has no hold on you. Jesus Christ, our living hope. So I wrote it this way. This is a letter from Jesus. It is finished. I will break every chain saved save you and sign Jesus Christ, your living hope. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, which we are sharing this morning. And I will read from the Gospel of Mark. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, He broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. Let's share the bread together. Jesus took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for the many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Let us share the cup. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share these emblems of your love and your mercy and your grace together. We ask, Lord, that you would constantly remind us of who you are and what you have done for us. But also, Lord, give us ears to hear your call. And when called, Lord, give us the desire to serve. We're all called to different things, different places, different times, different ministries. And so, Lord, not only do we want to listen to Your call, but we want to encourage each other to serve You, to seek You. Open our hearts and our minds to Your Word. Open our hearts and our minds to the people around us. Give us ears to listen, that we might be the people that You would use to bring Your good news. It is finished. Death has lost its sting. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We praise Amen. you. We ask that you would go with us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we close? For oh, the mercy of
1: God is to those who sit in the shadow, the sun on high pierced the night, born was the corner Unto us the sun is given, unto us the child is born. He who is mighty has done a great thing, taken on flesh. shame. Holy is His name, holy is His name. Oh, the freedom our Savior, the yoke of sin has been broken. Once a slave, now by grace, no more condemnation. Unto us the Son is given unto us a child is born he who is mighty has done a great thing taken on flesh, conquered death, sting, shattered the darkness and lifted all shame holy is his name holy is his name now my soul, my name darkness and left our oh shame holy is his day holy is his name
0: this morning have a good rest of the day say hey, time has jumped) <laughs>